A couple of weeks ago, I was at the memorial service for my father out at Temple Baptist Church in Rockford, Illinois, where I grew up, and I spent a lot of time at that church, and I'm so thankful that I did those first 20 years of my life. And whenever I walk to the church, I reflect upon uh, the people that touched my life. I think of all the Sunday school teachers, <laughs> the nursery to uh, up through uh, adult age and 20s, young adult, and how they invested in my life, how they took the time to prepare for the lessons, how they taught me about God's love, they taught me about Scripture, they taught me about the love of Jesus, and then I think about just all the other people within the church, very similar to Springbrook here in size, and just over the years how uh, they just developed friendships with me, friends of my parents and friends of my teenage friends where we would hang out at their house, and they modeled what it meant to walk with Christ. They modeled what it meant to live for Him, and they were all making a spiritual investment in Dan Harrison's life that I am so thankful for as I reflect on that that I can enjoy a level of spiritual maturity because they chose to invest in me to take time out of their week to spend time with me, to teach me, just to hang out with me, to have me over at their house. That is uh, so precious to me. And I'm so thankful that God gave me that gift. And I want you to just take a moment in your own life to reflect on all the people that invested in your spiritual life. Think about the people who first told you about Jesus, who told you about this wonderful thing called the gospel and how it could transform your life, And maybe many people told you over a long period of time before you actually made that decision. And then think about maybe that one person that prompted you to pray the prayer of salvation, accepting Christ's free gift of salvation. Then maybe you can think about people who, after you became a believer, surrounded you and encouraged you and discipled you. Maybe you went through a formal discipleship process where somebody took you through some curriculum and just the bare bones of what it meant to be a Christ follower and how to get started in all the different areas of uh, thriving in your spiritual life. And there are so many people who have made investments in you and I. And our responsibility now, according to the Scripture is to continue to make investments in other people, to take the time and energy and use our spiritual gift in order to 
help other people grow in their spiritual lives. And it's a great joy in order to do that. In fact, Jesus Christ commands it in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. A great commission, that is. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So therefore, go and make disciples. That's what spiritual investment is, whether it be in a small group, whether it be in a coffee shop, talking about spiritual things, whether it be doing ministry together. You're making disciples. You're helping people to become more like Jesus Christ making disciples of all nations, baptizing them, which, of course, we just did. And that's why we think that baptism is so important. It's such an important command to follow because Jesus Christ is saying, okay, this is what the church needs to do. You bring people to Christ and you baptize them. So it's very critical in your walk with God to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And I, behold, I am with you always at the very end of the age. So teaching them, training them, that's what we are to do. Now we look at First Timothy 2. First Timothy 2. And Paul is writing to Timothy here, and he says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So that's the idea. He was training Timothy, investing in his life, in order that Timothy might invest in someone else's life. Now, as I reflect upon the church that I grew up in, it's very interesting that during the late 60s and the 70s, there were many kids who came out of those youth programs and the environment within that church uh, that either went into full-time Christian ministry or they're still living for the Lord today. And it was an incredible time of fruitfulness in that ministry in that regard. Uh, the church was uh, fully engaged. Uh, the church was unleashed, and we're going through that series right now, unleashed. We want to unleash Springbrook in order to have it reach its full potential so lives uh, can be changed. So as I reflect upon the church that I grew up in, I said, what were some of the components that helped that church to be unleashed? And here are some that are listed. The unleashed church, first a compelling vision, the same mission we had to build disciples of Christ, then committed leaders. As I think about the church that I grew up in, there were so many leaders in so many different areas of the church that were taking responsibility for different areas of the ministry and investing in people. Then there were, all, there were a lot of high-capacity volunteers. Now, there's engaged volunteers, and we're all called to be ministers of the gospel, volunteers in his army. At the same time, uh, there's high-capacity volunteers, people who are called by the Lord uh, to take it another level. So, for example, you think of people who help out with Awana. 
They give three or four hours a week during the school year to invest in the lives of children. I call that a high-capacity volunteer. Or our worship team or production team, they'll spend maybe eight to 12 hours, depending upon their position, on a weekend investing in us in order that we might learn together and worship together. Well, that's a high-capacity volunteer. And we had a lot of those in the church that I grew up in. And then engage volunteers. There are a lot of people who are serving all over the place. So that is an unleashed church. Now, here at Springbrook, uh, we have talked a lot about our compelling vision that we introduced, the Heartstrong vision. And the first part of it is to love God, to love God together in our worship services, to love God one-on-one by cultivating that relationship with Christ, uh, to love others uh, to love our families. We spent a lot of time uh, focusing on marriage uh, this past season, and we'll be looking at other areas of family life as we move into the future here, and love our community. We had a great time at our Compassion Focus meeting this past Tuesday night. We had 30 people show up who wanted to know more about how can I get engaged uh, in Compassion. Uh, what is it going to look like for our heartstrong vision in regards to what we're going to do in the areas of compassion? In fact, if you look in your programs, uh, you'll find a particular sheet uh, that talks about uh, ideas for compassion. This is a compassion survey. So I'd encourage you to fill this out and put it in the offering or take it home and fill it out because we want to know uh, what type of compassion ministries you've been involved in, as well as what are your thoughts? How can we reach this community? We're trying to gather as many ideas as possible. And this is going to be so much fun uh, to get out there and encourage people uh, through the love of Christ, helping them with their physical needs as well as their spiritual needs. So be thinking about that. So that's our vision. So how can we be an unleashed church? Well, let's go back to the unleashed church, and we see the different components there. Uh, first of all, we need to have a compelling vision. And certainly, we've talked a lot about Heartstrong. Uh, we need committed leaders. And as we look at our church across the board, as our leaders take a survey, we don't have enough leaders. We don't have enough people who uh, have gotten to the point in their spiritual life where they are ready to be leaders, or maybe we have some people who are leaders who, for whatever reason, aren't stepping up. All right? So that's the first thing we need to pray for is for leaders, because there's really three different commitments that we need to make to our heartstrong vision. We need to make a prayer commitment of fully being engaged and asking the Lord to bless uh, his work here at Springbrook and always starts with prayer. The second commitment we need to make is a financial commitment. We've talked a lot about that and are so thankful for the generosity of our people. And the third commitment that I really am focusing in on this month about the Unleashed Church is a ministry commitment. We need to be, again, engaged in ministry. And we need to say, okay, I'm going to step up my game as God leads me to being committed to this particular work. Because if we're going to have the heart-strong vision fulfilled, we need to, 
to seek out and find out how God wants us to be a part of this team that we call Springbrook and uh, accomplishing his ministry. So going back to the Unleashed Church, uh, we talked about the fact of compelling vision, uh, committed leaders. That's what we need to start praying for. God would raise up more leaders. Uh, we would think about how we can train more leaders and that type of thing. Uh, we need to be thinking about high-capacity volunteers. Now, not, not everybody can be a high-capacity uh, volunteer because of the season there in life, that kind of thing. But we do need more people to say, okay, whatever ministry I'm involved in or whatever ministry I decide to be involved in, I just don't want to give maybe an hour a week or something like that. I want to give like three hours a week or four hours a week. And I really want to invest my time in a significant way. And that's how God really starts to do some amazing things when people commit that type of time. Uh, and then engage volunteers. Some people in their life situation can only uh, be involved in one particular type of ministry, uh, not a high capacity, and that's fine too. You see, the, the, the critical thing here is where does God want you? And as we move throughout the summer, my prayer for you and uh, the prayers of our leadership is, you know, we're just asking people to think about how God wants them uh, to be involved. If you could take out uh, your first serve survey, we talked a little bit about this last week, not in the 11 o'clock service, but in the other services. And I just want to take a moment to step through this because if you're not involved in ministry uh, right now, we would love to have you involved. We would love you to take that uh, first step of investing in the lives of others. And uh, you'll see here that it just kind of gives you an outline of how you go through the first serve process. The idea is you just try a ministry out one time, and if you like it, maybe try it some more. If you don't like it, then uh, you can try out another ministry. But uh, you see, you, you sign up for the ministry and then we'll get back to you, and you'll give an opportunity to shadow somebody maybe uh, in that particular ministry or actually serve in the ministry, dependent upon the ministry. And then you give your feedback and say, boy, I love that ministry, or ah, that didn't you know, do anything for me, so I'm going to try another ministry. All right? And then you can fill out your name and email on the second page there, home phone, cell phone, how long you've been attending the Springbrook, have you had an opportunity to serve in other ministries? List any special skills or experiences you might have. That's really helpful uh, to know. Even if you're involved uh, currently in a ministry, we would love uh, to know that uh, so we can tap into some of those skills. As we continue to work, you see some of the things happening out there in our home makeover. Uh, the cafe is starting to go up and... Uh, you're able to register your kids with a kiosk. So uh, let's take a moment to celebrate that, huh? <laughs> you know, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There are a lot of people that have been working a long time on those different projects, and uh, you'll see more before the end of the month. But, uh, yeah, it's great to see God's people. And they're spending a lot of time. Uh, I come in, and uh, some of our folks are here, you know, for a couple days this week working on some of those issues, so we appreciate uh, the time that they're giving. So again, the idea is just uh, check off a couple different things maybe you're interested in, and we want to help guide you into a ministry this summer as we get ready for this fall. 
uh, when we have a big kickoff, and hopefully new people uh, will be attending our church and uh, will be more ready for them to meet their needs and meet the needs that are that uh, people have uh, at our church already. All right. Uh, Hebrews 10:24. Let's go one more step. Let's talk about uh, the challenge of step in and step up. Uh, this is really what I want to encourage you to do uh, and to think about, is to step in and step up. Either to step into a ministry, uh, if you're not involved in a ministry, or maybe another ministry, or to step up within that ministry. To say, I can do more in this ministry. Go to the person who's in charge of the ministry and say, I want to do more in this ministry. And then look at the uh, shock face that they have. <laughs> that doesn't happen uh, frequently. People say, I want to do more. <laughs> right? But that's the kind of attitude that we should have, right? I want to do more. So, you know, where do you need to move? Are you not engaged right now and you need to move to be an engaged Volunteer, uh, are you an engaged volunteer? But you know you could do more. You know that God wants you to do more. Let's say you're in KOTK and you're serving, uh, you know, say once a month, and you say I can do more than this. You know, maybe I should become a teacher in KOTK, or maybe I should take leadership over a particular area, or maybe I should uh, serve two times a month. And uh, you know, we encourage. Uh, come one hour uh, and serve one hour. It's the idea you come to a service one hour and then you serve the other hour. You say, well, Dan, that takes a lot of time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But friends, you know, when I think about growing up, I mean, people spent a lot of time with me and they spent a lot of time at church uh, in order to make these investments. And we as a church just need to make a decision that uh, as the Lord leads us, uh, we need to make it more of a priority. I mean, if we're really going to make an impact on this community, uh, we cannot do it with people just serving maybe one hour a month. It's just not going to happen. Uh, And again, I exhort you, I challenge you, I encourage you as your pastor to take a careful look at your engagement in our ministry uh, this summer and to pray through it and, and to think about, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What role do you want me to play? Now, there are seasons of life where a person can't be involved in ministry. Uh, that's understood. But, again, we all need to think through this. Uh, or engage volunteer to high-capacity uh, leader. Uh, so you're a volunteer, but you really sense that uh, call from God to be a high-capacity leader. And again, we go back to Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 24, and let us consider how to stir one another on toward love and good deeds. And that's one of our responsibilities as a Christ follower, whether it's the people that you have in your small group or your family or people that you're friends with, uh, you have a responsibility to stir them on toward good deeds, to challenge them, just like I'm challenging you guys this morning. I'm I'm stirring you on uh, toward love and good deeds. So the question is, what is that going to look like? That can look like a lot of things. For example, we're talking about this whole area of ministry. Uh, That can be, for example, a small group leader. You know, every small group leader should have an apprentice. And really, if you're serving here at Springbrook, the ideal is that you have an apprentice. No matter what you're doing, 
you're training somebody else to do that job. You're training your replacement because in order to train your replacement, you, you have more people involved in that particular ministry, and maybe God's going to call you to another ministry. So everybody should have an apprentice. You should always be training somebody else. You should always be investing in somebody else. And that's a question. Who are you investing in? Now, it might be uh, that there's a new believer in your life. And you're, you say, I, I need to invest in their life. And so, therefore, you can talk to Pastor Rich, and he can get you some curriculum for working with new believers. And you, you meet with them. Uh, on a weekly basis or every other week, just to encourage them, just to help them set that foundation in their life. Or maybe there's somebody in your small group or somebody that you know that's really going through a tough time right now. Maybe they're unemployed. Maybe they have marital issues going on. And and you just want to be there to support them. And so you meet with them on a regular basis to love and encourage them, and you make that type of investment. Or maybe uh, you see somebody who you see so much potential uh, for being involved in some type of ministry, but for whatever reason they're not engaged. And, and so you say, that's the person I'm going to invest in. I'm going to help them to see their potential uh, for ministry and help them grow. Or maybe there's somebody, again, you have somebody in your ministry uh, that you're a part of, and you say, you know, I'm going to invest in this person. I'm going to help them develop their leadership skills and their understanding of ministry and I'm going to help them move to the next level. So there's a lot of different ways you can, you can uh, apply these truths. And I would encourage you, I mean, certainly, you know, the things uh, that I'm going to share with you here in a moment uh, can be applied to any relationship. Because we all want to invest spiritually in our, in our spouse and, and our children and our friends, uh, close friends. And so you can do these things with, with, with all those people. But I also want to encourage you to step beyond that, uh, because that's your responsibility as a Christ follower, and say, okay, who else, though, outside of my family and really close friends, who else am I going to invest in? Because the way that God is going uh, to really uh, help us to accomplish and fulfill the vision he's given us is if, we are at, if we're really investing in people, taking the time and energy. Uh, to love them. All right. So uh, let's take a, a quick look uh, at um, uh, for, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. This is a letter uh, that was written by Paul when he was about to die. This is the last letter written in the New Testament by Paul. He was in a dungeon in Rome. And it really was a dungeon. It was not a pleasant place to be. It was uh, right next to a sanitation. In fact, you can go and visit there. Right next to a sanitation line. And what they would do is they would just drop people in this hole in this stone dungeon. And when they wanted to flush them out, they opened up the uh, door and all the sanitation water would flow in. All right? And just take them right out again. And then they fill up the hole again. And that's where Paul was hanging out, you know, when he was writing this particular letter. Now, they beheaded Paul, tradition tells us. Uh, but at the same time, this is where he was at when he wrote this particular letter to Timothy. Now, his relationship to Timothy started back on his first missionary journey when he visited uh, Timothy and his, 
grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice, and he led them to the Lord. And uh, then he came back and he took Timothy on his missionary journey. He really took Timothy on as a protege. He took Timothy on as he was discipling Timothy. He was training him in ministry. He was preparing him for ministry, and then he guided him in ministry. And so they had a very, very close relationship. And these letters, uh, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, are wonderful, uh, wonderful chapter, excuse me, wonderful books of study about ministry and, and how to be involved in ministry and the challenges of ministry. Uh, so that's the setting uh, for all this. So uh, the first thing he says uh, is to love them. Uh, if you're going to make an investment in a person, in the different ways I've talked about, you need to love them. And we read this in 2 Timothy 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. So he talks about his apostleship. And he says, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. And that really is where it's at. That's you know, the gospel, the idea that you know, Christ lives within us. And, and that's really where everything flows from. Now, if we just do ministry to do ministry because this is what I'm supposed to do, uh, we're going to burn out and we're going to become bitter. But if we are cultivating a relationship with Jesus on a daily basis and we are just uh, understanding uh, how much he loves us and the riches that he has for us, if we, if we really have that understanding, which, again, we're going to continue to encourage our heart-strong vision, uh, ministry just naturally flows many times. It's still difficult. It's disappointing, but it, it more naturally flows because it's coming out of who you are. It's not just something that you feel like you have to do. So uh, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, our life. The Timothy, my beloved child. So he, beloved child, that incredible love for Timothy. Uh, again, it could be that Paul... Uh, specifically led Timothy to the Lord, and that's why he calls him a child, that he's a spiritual father, grace and mercy and peace from God our Father. Uh, in Second uh, Timothy 1.4, it says, As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I might be filled with joy. He had such a tenderness of love uh, for Timothy, and here he was in this dungeon with all these other criminals, uh, and he just wanted to see Timothy. That's how much he loved him. And whenever you're making a spiritual investment in anyone, it starts with love, a love that flows uh, from God, a love uh, for them. Uh, I think about uh, my mentor, uh, Bernie Tannis, back in 1982, uh, or make that 1983, I was going to Moody Bible Institute, and I decided that the Lord had called me into ministry. And so I was looking for a part-time youth job. And so I went out to Harwood Heights, uh, Gunnison and Nagel and uh, Harlem, that particular area. And uh, I interviewed uh, for this part-time job. And uh, Bernie was courageous enough to uh, take me on in ministry. And... Uh, Oh, he had a lot of patience. He had a lot of patience uh, with me. I pulled a lot of you know, strange stunts, like uh, going downtown Chicago and getting the church van stuck in a parking garage uh, 
didn't read how, you know, <laughs> you know the, the limits in terms of what type of vehicle you could take in there. Uh, <laughs> and one night I lost a girl in Chicago. Uh, yeah, that wasn't good. Uh, but we found her. That was good. But, uh, so, uh, yeah, he had a lot of patience uh, with me. And uh, he would, you know, tell the other leaders, you know, Dan's going to make it. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you guys still have a lot of patience with me. And I, I appreciate uh, that uh, so much. And, but Bernie, over those uh, six years that we worked uh, so closely together, as I was going to school, he really taught me the nuts and bolts of ministry and gave me so many insights, uh, things that I carry uh, to this day. And uh, I think of his integrity in ministry. That's one of the things that he taught me deeply was integrity in ministry. And, uh, yeah, and it's interesting. I was thinking about this just last night. Uh, it's been 29 years I've had a relationship with him, 29 years. And, uh, you know, he's still my mentor. And when I have a challenge, whether personally or in the ministry or whatever, you know, I can give him a call. And I'll get a call back real quickly. And I, I was thinking, God, what an unbelievable gift you gave to me and Bernie. And uh, I treasure that relationship. And, you know... You don't have to be a pastor or a professional or something like that. You can play that role in another person's life. And uh, it's, it's so meaningful. It's not easy sometimes. It can be discouraging. And, uh, you know, people that you minister to can hurt you, betray you, all that kind of stuff. But, hey, look what Christ did for us. You take a risk when you minister uh, to people. You love them. And, and one of the ways you love them is you help them to find your spiritual gift. We look at our memory verse. Uh, for the month, First Peter 4.10. Uh, do we have that one? First Peter, there it is. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Let's read that together. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So when you're helping a person to explore what their spiritual gift is, to get involved in ministry, you are giving them a, a wonderful gift of them being able to use their spiritual gift to, to be a vehicle of God's grace. You know? Well, what an exciting thing that is as you invest in the lives of other people. All right. The second thing uh, that we need to do for people we're investing in is we need to pray for them. 2 Timothy 1.3 says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night. Constantly in my prayers. He writes to the church at Thessalonica, I pray without ceasing. And it's interesting, like six or seven different times, Paul talks about praying constantly for people praying all the time. And he really believed in prayer. He was a busy guy. It's true he spent a lot of time in prison, which gave him more time to pray. Uh, but at the same time, he, he was involved in all types of ministries. But he always took time to pray. And again, my desire for our church is that we would grow 
in prayer. I'm so thankful for our prayer ministry. Dick and Chris Schmidt uh, lead that particular ministry, and we have wonderful people that are committed to that. And uh, they have such a heart for prayer, and they really believe in prayer. I'll just ask you this one question, and it will tell me uh, how much you believe in prayer. Okay? Just think about, let's say, the last, well, we're five months into uh, 2012. How, how much time do you spend in prayer per week on the average? Just, you know, kind of do a ballpark, you know. How much per week do you spend time in prayer? Whether it be what we encourage, like, as a daily office, like, you know, 15 minutes a day that you set aside. Uh, for the Lord, and part of that is prayer, uh, or whether it be just praying throughout the day as you walk uh, with the Lord. But how much time do you spend in prayer? Is it, uh, you know, 10 minutes a week, you know, 15 minutes a week, 20 minutes a week, whatever it might be. Well, take that number and think about that, and you can determine how much you believe in prayer, right? Uh, because if you really, really, really believe in prayer, that it can change lives, that it can change people, that it can change ministries, you'd be praying a lot. I mean, you really would, hey, prayer is something you just can't do without. And this is a very convicting question to my question to myself as well. Uh, but that really is the proof, the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> I mean, if you believe in prayer... You're going to be doing it. Now, I know there's a lot of hurdles and learning how to pray and things of that nature. But, but friends, if you really believe that God answers prayer and that God works through prayer and that God can change your spouse and your kids through prayer and all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, just engage yourself in prayer. And, and really, I, I think probably one of the easiest ways to do this for people who are uh, younger uh, spiritually in prayer is tie it to the stressful situations. For example, if you're having a stressful situation with your spouse or whoever, just think about, okay, Lord, I pray uh, for my uh, wife or my husband and that they would get a brain. Uh, no, you don't want to say that. Uh, no, I pray, Lord, that uh, first of all, you'd speak to me and show me where what my blind spots are and my weaknesses are. I pray that you would help my spouse and help me to love them and, and, and help them to grow spiritually. I mean, if you really feel like there is sin in their life, uh, really pray that uh, they would grow spiritually, uh, that you, the Holy Spirit would speak to them, uh, that they would be protected from demonic attack. Again, friends, the demons are in this room. Uh, and uh, they're looking for ways to attack us individually and corporately as a church. So you always need to be protecting, praying for protection from Satan. You need to be constantly putting the armor of God on, and because uh, it's a real battle out there. So, again, for that person that you're investing in, one of the things you need to do is be praying for them on a regular basis. You know, have your prayer list out. Uh, how many of you have a prayer list out there? Just raise your hand, just out of curiosity. Okay, good. Yeah. You know, I find that if I don't have a prayer list, <laughs> I can pray for my family and several others in the ministry. But beyond that, you know, <laughs> I can't remember what to pray for, per se. Uh, so it's so important to have a prayer list. No matter how you want 
Take out a piece of paper, you know, put it on your iPad, I don't know, put it on your smartphone, but just have a prayer list so that when somebody says, pray for me, you can put it down and you'll remember it. All right? So prayer is so important, as pointed out here, to pray for the person you're investing in. The third thing you can do for the person you're investing in is, is encourage them. Second uh, Timothy 1.5 says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a, first, a faith uh, that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and now I sure, I am sure that is dwells in you, as well. Uh, so he's encouraging him. He's saying, Timothy, you have such a strong faith, such a mature faith, a faith that is real. And notice it, it was fostered by his grandmother Lois and uh, his uh, mother Eunice. His father was not a Christ follower. Uh, but these were Jews that came to Christ. And uh, the grandmother Lois, I want to encourage you grandparents out there, you have a very critical role uh, that you play in your grandchildren's life. A study showed that beyond the, the relationship of a child and parent, the next most influential role is that of a grandparent. Again, it's just the way we, God put us together. You play a significant role, and your job, of course, is to help that grandchild uh, to develop spiritually. And I know sometimes uh, your son, daughter-in-law, whatever, they're not crazy about that. Maybe I know some that have said, don't you ever mention Jesus, don't ever read a a Bible story to them. I mean, it's it's spiritual warfare, Uh, and I'm sorry if you're in that situation. But you can pray for them. You can always pray for them. And don't underestimate the impact that you have on your grandkids. And I I just have watched so many of you here in our ministry and the beautiful relationship that you have with your grandchildren and all you're doing to love and, you know, sacrifice for them. And uh, so I just want to encourage you in your role there. All right, Second uh, Timothy 1, 6 and 7 shows more encouragement. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So we talked about that last week. You want to help the person you're investing and in identify what their spiritual gift is. Maybe you need to make a call to this person today and say, you need to be out at the spiritual gifts class uh, that's starting this Wednesday, and uh, you need to find out what your spiritual gift is. Uh, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, uh, but of power and love and self-control. So as you read through the book of Timothy, you kind of get the impression that Timothy, uh, he might be unsure of himself. Uh, he might, you know, have some issues like a fear here, right? And uh, certainly this can be understood because he really was on a rescue mission. Paul sent him to Ephesus because they had false teachers and the church was just so messed up. And Timothy was really revitalizing the church. He was teaching sound doctrine. And Ephesus was a very hostile environment. And he went to church and they had temple prostitutes. Let's <laughs> go farther understand that culture. You know? So the point is, is that Timothy uh, was getting heat from the culture. He was, I'm sure he was getting a lot of heat from people within the church that were still buying into the false teachers. I mean... It would have been easy for him just to kind of step back and placate people and not step up and lead and to be filled with fear. 
And so Paul's just exhorting him and encouraging him and challenging him here in his ministry. And friends, when you're uh, investing in someone, especially in ministry, let's say you have an apprentice, you know, ministry can be very discouraging. Uh, it can be very painful as you're dealing with, you know, people who are sinful and have emotional baggage and uh, it's a supernatural process going on as I talked about spiritual warfare and it can really get hairy sometimes and so you need to encourage that person and encourage them in their own life and the issues that they're going through. Uh, you need to exhort them. Sometimes you just need to kind of get in their face and say, listen, yeah, stop that sin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, repent and turn to the Lord. And sometimes you come along with gentle encouragement. But the point is, is that you're making a spiritual investment in them. You're helping them to grow in their spiritual lives. And again, I ask you the question, who is that person? Who is that person? Now, there, there might be multiple people, hopefully, in your life you're doing that with. But uh, what I want you to walk away with uh, today is asking yourself, who is that person that I'm really investing in? that I'm helping them to grow spiritually, I'm helping a new believer, I'm helping a struggling believer, I'm helping someone uh, to get more engaged in ministry or training them for ministry. The final thing is to train them, to train them. And uh, we look at uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, this is the whole way the church is organized. Uh, Paul writes, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers of so different roles. Uh, but you look at the pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So my job as a pastor and Justin and uh, Rich and uh, others uh, who are spiritual leaders within our church uh, we're to prepare God's people for works of service. We're to equip you for works of service. Just the whole, Everything I've said today is what this verse is all about, uh, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Uh, we all need to be engaged in investing in people spiritually, and uh, my primary role as a pastor is to cast a vision and implement initiatives in order that you might be equipped, in order that you might be trained, encouraged, you know, and that we might have a lot of informal things going on like I'm talking about, you know, having spiritual friends who come alongside you and, and carry you. Uh, but that's how the church works. Second uh, Timothy 2.2 again. And what you have seen, uh, or excuse me, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So I look at my life, and uh, so many people have taught me. So many people have made investments in me. Time, energy, patience, forgiveness. <laughs> you know, and what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to entrust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I need to find people who are willing to grow and learn and grow deeper in their, their walk with Christ, uh, become more engaged in ministry, navigate through the challenges that make us more like Christ. That is my responsibility, and that's your responsibility as well. So, again, my question is, 
And the question I want you to take through this summer is who are you investing in? I know you're investing in your family, and you need to maybe pick that up a little bit. But I also want you to think about outside your family. Who here at Springbrook are you investing in? Who's your apprentice? Who are you training in ministry? Who are you uh, trying to help them to become engaged in ministry? Who are you helping as a new believer? Who are you helping? They're just going through a tough time, and they need a friend. You know, let God lead you. Pray about this. Ask the Lord to lead you to whoever that person might be. All right, let's look at some next steps as we uh, respond to God's Word this morning. Uh, number one, I'll pray about who God wants me to invest in outside my family. You can circle that if you feel so led. I will take a step toward investing in someone this week. So you say, hey, today I'm going to call somebody and say, you should go to that spiritual gifts class. Or today I'm going to call somebody, the person that the Holy Spirit has had on my mind uh, for the last couple of weeks or the last month, and saying you need to get together with that person. They need encouragement. You need to make it a priority this week. And so you get on the phone today and say, hey, let's get together uh, this uh, this week for coffee or whatever. Um, I'm interested in attending the spiritual gifts class. I'm interested in attending the Women's Coffee uh, Connection, which is coming up on Tuesday. You'll see that in your program. Uh, I will invite a, a child out to VBS. Great outreach coming up here at the end of the month. Uh, I will memorize First Peter 4.10, our monthly verse. I'm interested in knowing more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're still confused about that, uh, we want to talk to you so badly about that. So, uh, again, you can take out your communication slip. And, uh, again, under the name portion, you'll see these numbers uh, that you can circle. All right? Well, let's pray together. Lord, thank you uh, for the time you've given us to talk about investing in other people spiritually. And you have overwhelmed me, Lord, with so many people who have come into my life. And, Lord, I want to lead a church that uh, where people just, we just have that, that cultural value, that cultural expectation that we're always looking for somebody. And some people say, well, I don't know enough about. You know, I've only been a Christian a year. Well, find somebody who's been under a year, <laughs> right? We always can uh, encourage and train up someone. Uh, Lord, help us to have that spirit in Christ's name. Amen. Now, if we have our ushers come forward at this time.